Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast with Aleph Insights, where we take a look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision making. I'm Fraser McGrewer and I'm here with Nick Hare and Peter Coggill of Aleph Insights. And rather excitingly, uh, this week we have a guest with us, which is Andres Taksir, um, a friend of mine and a former colleague of mine. Um, this week we're, we're discussing the Library of Babel, uh, the short story by the Argentinian essayist Jorge Luis uh, Borges. <laughs> So before we dig in, um, we've had a request, which is, Andres, can you tell us, um, I, and I, am I pronouncing this correctly? How, how does one pronounce Borges? Yeah, I think that you did it almost right. I think it's Borges, the right pronunciation. Do you think you can do it? Borges. So there's more of a, a rolling of the R. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay, I think I've got it. Great. Um, right. But even so, before we dig into the Library of Babel, let's establish your credentials as a Borges expert. Um, now, I know that in your family home in Buenos Aires, uh, your father has a book signed by Borges, which he signed when they met and they even shook hands, I believe. And one of the things you said to me previously, that whether this story was actually true or not, um, is that in your words, um, this, starts, this story starts to be consistent with all the Borgian logic, right? So let's start with that. What do you mean by that? Yeah, I think that there are two or three different kind of Borges words, no? I think there's one Borges that is really about Buenos Aires, uh, a Borges porteño, porteño is the word used just to refer to people from Buenos Aires. There's a, a Borges, let's say, a, a Greek mythology Borges, and there's this kind of uh, abstract Borges, mathematical Borges, extremely analytical Borges, and I think uh, this area of of the Borges that is extremely interesting and super powerful. And I think the La Biblioteca de Babel, that is the name in Spanish, mm. is the is perfectly associated to that type of Borges, the, the logic. So this more Borges. mathematical side. Right. Okay, fine. Right. So that being the case, let's go on to the book itself. Also rather, sorry, the, the, I believe it's more of a short story essay. So tell me, just without too much going into meaning, because we'll come on to that, but just talk to me, give me an overview. What is the story about? Well, essentially, uh, Borges describes, a, I can imagine, an hypothetical library that is almost infinitive library. It's, uh, it's impossible to actually measure how big it is. That essentially contains all the possible books that could be written. Essentially, uh, Borges plays with, with the numbers and he makes a really beautiful, a beautiful uh, game. Uh, he describes how they are different shelves and each shelf contains exactly the same type of books that each book contains the same amount of pages as the next book and the same amount of lines and the same amount of characters and he describes how huge how vast can be the combinations of all the letters that exist he thinks about 26 letters can be combined in all these books just to form all the potential books that can be written that have been written or will never be written mm-hmm okay um, so at this point, I want to bring in Nick. So what does it all mean? What's so that, that's the overview. That's the basics. That's the framework. What, what, what do we take from this? Well, one thing we haven't really touched on is why we're talking about Borges. And, uh, I, I, I think he's, um, we, we're all quite interested in him, uh, to, to the extent that our company is actually named after one of his stories, the Aleph. Um, but it, it, the, when you when you read uh, Borges, you have this sense of having uh, having seen something very profound, 
without quite knowing uh, where where that profundity comes from. So they're really interesting stories to think about. And um, as Andres said, you know, it's particularly the the sort of the mathematical, the abstract stories. Um, they tend to touch on lots and lots of different issues in cognition and uh, and in analysis. And it, in the case of the uh, Library of Babel, there, there are I think people have interpreted it in lots of different ways. And you know, it, t- it gives us lots and lots of things to think about. Um, Andres touched on that. Uh, that phrase almost infinite and I, I think I may be wrong here but I think Borges actually uses that phrase almost infinite well there right right there I mean you can you can say well this the library isn't isn't infinite because the books are all of a finite size so the books there can only be a limited number of books before you have um, every single book out there now the question is how how many books are there and it would be, um, I mean, it would be the, the number of the size of the library is uh, staggering. It would be, you know, it'd be, we'd be talking about absolutely trillions uh, of billions of, of, you know, if every if every book was an atom in the universe, we would need, you know, a, a, a Google universes to put all of the books uh, in. Mm. And, um, and and just to give a sense of sort of how how many combinations are there? How many combinations of letters are there uh, in Sorry, a book? I just want to interrupt the, you. Yeah. Sorry, and I'm just getting my head around this. So it's, it's almost infinite and not infinite. And no, well, there's a concept. It's a, if you've got a limited number of letters and you've got a limited number of pages in a given book and they're all the same length, so that's what limits it, right? Yeah, yeah there's no such thing as and, and almost is, infinite. It, I mean, it, it is finite. It's just very, very big. Right, so it's, a question, it's not a question of almost infinite or not. It's just, it's finite. Yeah, but I think there's another dimension to that. I mean, there's another, another twist there that, of course, it's, it's a limited number, huge, vast, that maybe even really hard to calculate, but a vast number. However, in some moment, and I think at the end of the story, Borges starts playing with the idea that another dimension is the order of the books. Mm-hmm. Then it could be all the books that are written that we know it's a limited number, but reordered in a different ways. That adds, again, another dimension that, again, is another finite number, but is even bigger. So give me. So what are the implications of that? I want to bring in Peter in a moment, but Andres. So the order of the books. So what are the implications? Well, I think the, the, the implications are, are, are said in, in, in some of the parts of the story uh, that in all those books, in all those pages, that of course some of them are repeated, are exactly repeated, because it could be two books that are exactly the same except that one letter is different. Mm. In all those books should be one book that is the real one. That is the book that contains, let's say, if we can say that word, the truth. Mm. I don't know personally what the truth is, but Borges thinks that in that library, in that huge library, there's a book containing the truth. And the goal of all these librarians that are in the, in the library is just to search for that book. And then the process that you pick which is the right book and which is not the right book has been a method, uh, almost a religion that has changed during centuries. Yeah. I've, met, I've got to know quite a few Argentinians lately, and I can see why this book was written by an Argentinian and, and why it's sort of so popular. Um, because there's endless things to talk about here. Um, it's just endless ideas. And from what I've seen of Argentinians lately, that they, they love talking about ideas and, 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 and delving into this sort of stuff. Take that as a compliment. Um, <laughs> and so, Peter, I want to bring you in. Um, I, I don't know, I, it's a shame we've only got about 15 minutes or so to talk about this. We could talk about this for days, um, almost infinitely, maybe. Um, Peter, come in. I, I, yeah, tell me. So I think what I'm interested in is... 
how can this how can we change our behavior what does this mean for for the way out we live our lives well i think the interesting uh, picking up something that andres said the 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 searching of truth there's a sort of assumed um job of these librarians that they think that because there is apparent meaning in some of these books that is therefore must be their job to to seek out meaning um now that's sort of that's quite a big assumption on their part and and often it's pretty it's, it's proven in in by the protagonist that it's pretty futile that it's very difficult to find texts that contain meaning mm. and also there's another parallel where different parts of the library there are different there are different peoples there's a history uh, and the sort of culture and beliefs of vary their language vary between um, between parts of the library in, in time and space and so if if a librarian finds something that he believes is meaningful, it may not be meaningful universally to everybody. So mm-hmm. this sort of library is is a, an analogy, I think, for a, is a substrate for the universe, for seeking truth in, 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 in the physical world through, um, through sort of maths and physics, trying to find find truths. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the concept of truth is, is itself an abstract thing, and it's an invention of, of us. Okay. Andres? Yeah, and I think as uh, uh, the other side of that coin, uh, there's something really beautiful that Borges explains that there are some books that maybe contains uh, words like M, J, K, L, N, O that doesn't mean anything, or you think that doesn't mean anything, but it could mean something in some language that has existed or will exist or that we don't know. Then there's also could be some knowledge that we don't see, it, that we cannot understand that that is knowledge. Mm-hmm. So that's got an implicate. So that's okay. I think the, so it's slightly uh, scrambling my brains, but I really like that. Yeah, yeah. I think and 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 I think there are. It has an analogy to um, uh, some the the concepts of sort of probability and randomness, um, and the way that we uh, pick out certain types of events as being meaningful. Um, which uh, now, if you so if you think about um, the lottery. Uh, the national lottery actually Borges wrote a book about a lottery which we, we might talk about another mm-hmm. another time but the the um the, the what what is more likely right is it more likely that you know it'll be the numbers will be 11 19 25 28 35 and 42 or that there'll be 1 2 3 4 5 6 now most people have an immediate reaction that the the sort of jumbled up looking numbers are somehow more likely each is as likely as the other am i right right no no the point is that just like the books in um in the library of babel uh every combination is equally likely to be there but we are interested in only a very very small subset of those things and and you know if you this actually ties into a um a sort of metaphysical puzzle about why it is that it seems harder to create things than it is to destroy things um why is it that you know you there's only one way to make a window but you can but you can have uh it, it seems very easy to to break a window and and the what's driving that is it's a sort of illusion that creation is harder than destruction because the fact is that most of the ways you can jumble up the parts of a window they won't be a window. They'll just be a pile of broken shards. Um, there's only one arrangement which is a window, mm. uh, or at least there are very few arrangements which are windows. In the same way that in the Library of Babel, there are 
very few books which actually are uh, in any way readable now i think it's quite interesting to think about what these how successful these librarians are being um you know we know that they live their lives uh all the time in in the library um and uh i i think i worked out back of an envelope uh, that um if if a librarian is going around and reading uh opening one book every six seconds um and he's looking he's looking for um He's looking for Hamlet. He wants to find the complete text of Hamlet. He would. It would take him ten years, uh, on average, to find a book which, for which the first six letters were Hamlet. Mm-hmm. So, so he, you know, that gives you a sense of how improbable it would be to find one of these books which contains something meaningful, let alone something true. Um, so it's, you know, it's a, it's a really sort of staggering thought experiment. And also, there are limitations given that it's not infinite as well. So. I think, um, it's, I think it, it might it, not exist. I think for, for coming from the engineer point of view, it's tractably, it, it's, it's about the tractability. It's sort of, for all intents and purposes, it's infinite because you can't okay. deal with it all. Okay. Um, I want to run on slightly longer than we usually do um, because you mentioned something about your engineering background. I think there's interesting prisms through which we can all look at this, given our backgrounds, but I want to go on to that in a moment. But given we've got um, our special guest, Andres, um, I know we've talked... We, we talked a little bit about some anything else you want that the grabs you about this 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 essay um andres is there anything else you want to add that you really find interesting about this well there are a, a, a lot of things the first thing that i wanted to say is that it, maybe maybe we can think that it's an essay but it's not an essay mm. it's a short story mm. it's a fiction mm. and as a majority of, of of the work of borges are, are are fiction he wrote a lot of poetry but this type of fiction in the in the logical realm let's say is uh, one of the most uh, fascinating part of his work. Uh, I, I have just a, maybe a cinem- cinematographic quote, maybe that is relevant. Just to see how relevant or how how important was this. I don't know if you guys remember uh, the name of the rose, yeah. uh, the movie uh, Umberto, based on Umberto Seco's uh, novel. Uh, I don't know if you remember the librarian was called Jorge. Was he? That and he was a blind guy. That mm-hmm. was a homage to Borges. Even Umberto Eco uh, said that. It was it was Borges that person yeah. that it was the guy keeping taking care of all the books that are there because at that moment I think that library in that abbey was the biggest uh, library or one of the biggest uh, abbeys, uh, libraries in Europe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also maybe slightly um, off off topic here, but I understand that Borges was influenced or incorporated uh, influenced by Jude- Judaism and 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 Jewish thinking. Am I right? Yeah, I think that he he had some uh, books where he mentions uh, the Kabbalah yeah. uh, and, and the power that the symbols uh, have in, uh, yeah, okay. in the understanding. Okay. Well, um, like I said, I just want to go on a little bit longer because um, I think it's interesting sitting here looking at us all. I know we've all got different, let's just, if we just talk academic backgrounds and may, I don't know who's got masters and maybe there's a PhD here as well, I don't know. So just very briefly, Nick, what's your background? What's your academic background? What was your undergrad degree? Um, it was in philosophy and economics. And did you go on to do anything else after? Yeah, yeah, I, I did some other things after that. Uh, oh, study <laughs> things. No, I didn't go on to study anything. I did a master's in economics. But, okay, uh, so economics and philosophy going on to economics, right? Andres? Uh, my undergraduate is in economics and then I study international public policy. Okay, and and Peter? Um, electronic and computer engineering. Uh, so very sort of uh, uh, mass-focused and... Um, Managing complexity, trying to have a result, but 
factoring in cost at every, every turn. Okay. And my own background is theology um, going on to international relations as well. So, yeah, no, just when I was thinking, when I was listening to you talking about um, truths and eternal truths, that's, um, you know, I just look at that from a, a theologian point of view. But I, I wonder if um, there, there is something makes me feel that Borges is a sort of um, scientist's writer. I, I mean, so you wouldn't necessarily expect scientists to like science fiction. Um, but I feel like he's almost the, he's a sort of literary equivalent to someone like M.C. Escher uh, mm. as an artist. That actually, you know, he deals with the same sorts of themes about curiosities, about the fundamentals of the universe. Um, and uh, the way that he approaches something like the Library of Babel, you know, in the hands of a lesser writer, they might be tempted to just uh, to just describe a very big library and make a few um, comments about that. Mm. Borges is very methodical about the way that he describes it. It's very vivid. And you can tell that he has given some serious thought to actually how that would work what are the what are the mechanics of it so i i think there there's might be might be a reason why um people who are interested in scientific ways of approaching things would be would be interested in borges okay that's a good advert for borges there yeah, um, i think I, and, I th- and i like i like the blend I like, he uses the the short story fiction story as a as a medium for exploring these very deep philosophical questions yeah um and uh it's a sort of it's a that's a a a blur in genres that has kind of disappeared when before we had scientists we had natural philosophers Mm. and that or and theologians and and they they, this would be how they would do their sort of their kind of um their exploration of of a topic rather than conducting highly highly engineered structured experiments they would Ween a story, they, you know, they spin okay. a story and uh, invite people to think think about. It. I like that. I like that. Um, Andres, anything final to say? No, I just something maybe on a on a national topic on, on Argentina is. I mean, now that you guys are saying everything that you are saying from this type of more kind of formal logic uh, type of approach, I'm wondering how Borges became something like a national writer for Argentina. Mm. If, if you think, I mean, you start reading Borges when you are. I don't know, 13, 12 years old at school, primary school, uh, high school. And these type of stories of Borges is the, the type of stories that shape the identity of Argentina, or part of the Argentinian identity. And it's really strange that you think that something that is so, let's say, cold, distant in some way, mm. could end up being a, a national writer. Besides his merit as a writer, that is an amazing writer, no? But mm. how this type of set of ideas could become something that is the axis that you build uh, idea of uh, identity. Well, fascinating. Yeah. Excellent. Okay, chaps, I really enjoyed that. So I hope you did too. So thank you very much. Um, so thanks, uh, as always, to Nick Hare and Peter Coggill from Aleph Insights. And a special thank you for Andres Taxir for coming in to, um, this week to talk to us about Borges, and specifically the Library of Babel. Hopefully we'll get you in for more Borges-related um, podcasts and maybe other stuff as well. I'm Fraser McGrewer. Uh, thank you very much, as always, to, for listening. Um, and until our next episode, thank you and goodbye. Goodbye. <music>